Well, good morning. My name is Paul. I'm the campus pastor for our new Montclair campus, and it's my privilege to be here today. I want to welcome each and every one of you who are here, uh, everyone watching over in the acoustic service at our Wayne campus online. And I want to say a special welcome to everyone over at Montclair this morning. I know uh, that group is over there watching at the seventh floor of the conference center. And I know it's kind of interesting to be on this side of the camera because I always see it coming the other way. But I know, like my friend Jackie and Morgan are sitting probably over here and my buddy Anthony's right in the center. So I just want to say welcome. And I know they had an awesome morning over there as well, getting ready for that with Taylor. So um, thank you guys so much for being here. If you've been here for the last couple of weeks, uh, you know that we've been walking through the book of Acts, A-C-T-S. We are going through the book of Acts and um, just seeing how God used the Holy Spirit to uh, establish and get his church up and running a way long ago and get, just move and, and do things through the people of the church as it, as it first started, as we see in the book of Acts. So we've been walking through that for the last couple of weeks. And last week we heard that um, as the church was starting to flourish, something happened and, and the disciples, you know, they started to get persecuted and scattered and people were coming after them because they didn't like the message. So Dave mentioned that they got dispersed. And if you didn't see that message, it's a great message. You can check it out online. But the people were dispersed because of the persecution that was happening to the Christians. And he mentioned a guy named Saul, who was really the chief head in charge of that. He was the guy who was kind of leading this persecution. And we're going to spend a couple minutes and talk about him today and what happened with him when Jesus got a hold of his heart. So we're just going to be continuing in the book of Acts today. And Acts chapter 9 if you have your Bibles. Well, as you guys may know, I grew up here in New Jersey, and, but we spent the last uh, nine years down in North Carolina. But we still had all of our friends and family here in New Jersey, so we have four kids, and once in a while, probably about three times a year, we would make the trip from North Carolina up 95 to New Jersey. And, some, and I say that, and some people are like, ooh, that sounds brutal. But it was. So we would go, and we had it... <laughs> Um, but we had it, and we had it down pat. We had it about nine hours. We could do it in about nine hours. And, and the thing with me is when we were driving north, you know, the thing is with the GPS, the thing that I'm like the chief end of me is when the GPS says like ETA. And if you're a guy, maybe you do this as well. But you, when it says if the ETA says like 2 p.m. and you start driving, the goal of the entire trip is to get it down, right? <laughs> So if it goes to 159, I'm like, yes, you know? So, so we're going, and we're just cranking. And we had it down pat where we would stop for one time in Northern Virginia. We would stop at a rest center for 16 minutes. We would get... That's, that's not even supposed to be funny. This is what it is. Uh, but we would get out. We would, like, the kids would run out, and you could pump your own gas, which is like, I don't know why they don't do that here. But you can pump your own gas. I would pump the gas so the kids would go pick out one treat, I would go to Starbucks, we would do everything in 16 minutes, boom, back on the road. And all the time I'm in there, I'm like, I'm like thinking in the back of my mind, like the GPS is winning now, right? <laughs> it's gaining momentum. So we would do this. And then one time we were coming up to New Jersey, it was probably last August, we were coming, and for some reason we had to make a second stop. And this threw me off, right? So we get into New Jersey, and we had to stop at one of those mega rest stops, like in the middle on 95, like, with, like they come from every angle on this rest stops. So we're stopping, and I'm thinking, okay, great, you know, like, we'll do this. But um, the whole time we're in there, I'm thinking, the GPS is winning right now. <laughs> All that time I made up, I'm losing right now. So we're online at Wendy's in the rest stop, getting ready to get some food. 
and I'm just thinking about the GPS. I'm not really focused. I'm just focused in on like all the time we're losing. And then I look up and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, cheeseburgers should not be $7 because they, they jack up the prices there. So I'm thinking about this and I'm like zeroed in and dialed in and focused, not paying attention to anything else. And my kids are there and there's people on front, online in front of us. So all of a sudden, um, you know when time slows down and it's really never a good thing when this happens? Time slows down. So what I'm going to tell you happened in about a split second. So all of a sudden, I'm looking at the menu, just thinking about the GPS, and the lady in front of us jumps and screams and turns around and looks at me. And simultaneously with this, my three-year-old son was right here, and he had his, her, her backside was kind of level with his hand. He had his hands there. And he, and all I hear is him saying, squishy, squishy. And I was like, and she jumped and turned around and looked at me, and I was like, uh-uh. Like, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I was like, I'm so sorry. You know, like everything just, you know, I'm so, so sorry. It was him. It wasn't me. Like, I'm sorry. But, but here's the thing. Like, here, here's what happened. I was so laser focused on something, right? I was so laser focused on getting back and getting up here and the GPS and the time that I got completely blindsided by what was happening, right? I wasn't paying attention to what was happening around me. All of a sudden it was like, wham, and I got hit from the blind side. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, like each one of us here has experienced getting blindsided in some way or another in life. And lots of times it's kind of funny, like that's kind of funny. But a lot of times when we get blindsided, it's not very funny because it catches us off guard, right? Maybe you've been blindsided um, at your job, right? Maybe you have a job and your bosses called you in one day and they said, hey, thank you, you know, let's go grab coffee. You go to get coffee and they say, hey, you know, we're giving you 30 days notice. And you're like, ooh, didn't see that coming. More commonly, I think, not just in your job, but I think it happens a lot in the, probably the major way that it happens is in, in relationships, right? Maybe you're in high school or middle school and you had a best friend and things are, just, things are great and then one day all of a sudden, boom, out of the blue, it's over, right? Or a boyfriend and girlfriend and you think things are going really smooth and all of a sudden it's, it's just done. And then it gets to the next level too. Sometimes it happens in marriages. I think we all know examples of people who've been married here, right? And then one day they come home after seven years and their spouse just calls it quits, and you get completely blindsided, and you're left to pick up the pieces by yourself. It happens all the time. It can happen in confession, too. Maybe someone came up to you, someone that you know in your family, and they came up to you, and they said, you know, I'm struggling with, like, a, a same-sex attraction here. And you're just like, oh, what do I do here? I love this person, but this just doesn't fit. And we get blindsided by confessions as well. And sometimes it also happens when we're walking with God, right? Sometimes our traditions and our religion gets blindsided as well. Maybe you grew up here in North Jersey and you grew up going to a, um, a church and it's all about religion and rules and regulations and all of a sudden God keeps coming into your life and, and kind of bringing Christians into your life or bringing people into your life and you hear messages about a personal relationship with Jesus and it keeps happening and happening and happening. You keep getting blindsided by this. It happens in a whole bunch of different areas in our life. The point is, is that we all get blindsided at one point or another in our lives, and it's always really hard. But today I want to introduce an idea that's a little bit hard, but the idea is that maybe when we get blindsided in life, instead of being completely thrown off by it or trying to explain it away, it might, be just a, it might just be a way that God is using to get our attention 
in a new way in order for us to experience a relationship with him, maybe for the first time, or maybe to go deeper in the relationship that we have with him. So maybe it's God actually doing something different in our lives instead of a thing for us to just kind of get thrown off by. We're in the book of Acts, and we're in chapter 9. And this is the story of a guy who really, two people actually, who got blindsided by God. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there now, and it's going to be up on the screen. So let's read this together. There's 31 verses. We're going to read 1 through 19, and then we're going to summarize the rest. Here's what it says. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that means that's Christians, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. What a different response, right? And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that, may, that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings of the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. And immediately after this happens, three years pass, and he, he begins to preach. So this, this blindside knocked this wind out of his sail. So for three years, he was kind of regrouping, and he begins to preach, and he begins to start telling people about Jesus. And all the people he starts to tell, they remember who he was, and he starts to talk about Jesus, and all the, guy, all the people are like, that guy? Like, you're going to tell me about Jesus? I remember what you did. But he, Jesus was working through him, and the Holy Spirit was working through him, and a lot happened through him. So people became more and more, they became followers of Christ through his preaching. And because of that, other people didn't like that, and they tried to kill him. So he escapes and goes to Jerusalem, where the, real, the other disciples are, and they're like, wait, this guy? And he goes there, and his, and his reputation precedes him. And they say, okay, um, I don't really know about you, but a guy named Barnabas comes alongside of him and, 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 and kind of shares his story so people can see what he's done and who he's been and, what, and the legitimacy behind his conversion. And he, they put everyone at ease, and again he starts to preach, and more and more people come to faith. And then more people want to kill him, which seems to be the pattern, and he gets shipped off to Tarsus. And eventually, after this time, after he's gone, the church experiences a time of relative peace and it begins to multiply, just like the chapel is doing here. So if you grew up in church, you've probably heard this story a million times. 
But here's the idea. If the Holy Spirit is live and act, alive and active, don't be surprised when he intrudes on our lives. Listen to what happened with Saul. Remember, here's the story. As he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? No idea who it was. And he said, I am Jesus, who you're persecuting. And here's why this is so big, right? Saul was a guy who grew up in a religious tradition that said, this is the way it should be. There is no other way. This is the way it should be. And he grew up in a family that said this, and he was primed and and in a position to really accelerate in this religious group that he was a part of. He was someone who was in, you know, would have been Sunday school his whole life. He was in school his whole life learning about the Old Testament. In fact, he probably knew the Old Testament so much that to be where he was and to be as high as ranking in the church as he was, he would have had probably most of the Old Testament memorized. He was primed in a position. And when Jesus came along and the, Jesus and the movement of the way that gained momentum, this threatened him to his very core, right? He doesn't like this at all because it goes against his core convictions that getting to God is all about rules and regulations. So when this happens, he begins to hunt down Christians. He even takes road trips to get Christians. Where he was and where he was going to Damascus is 150 miles away. So he wasn't content to stay still and hunt down and chase after Christians. He wanted to go on the road. He needed to eliminate what was happening to people. And when he finds them, when he found Christians, Saul, he would torture them. He would, ask, he would try to get them to turn back and renounce their faith. He would execute them, and he did everything in, in his power to turn people away from Jesus because he was all about rules and regulations. And when we think about this, you know, like to give this some sort of scale, it's like when you see those videos or you hear the videos of people in Syria going after Christians and beheading Christians, like this and, and the feeling that we get from that, This is the feeling that we need to have towards Saul. Like he was a bad guy on all levels. All levels. Going after Christians, doing every single thing he could to eliminate them. And where our story is picking up, he's traveling 150 miles away to get them. But a funny thing happened on the way to Damascus. Saul had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, as a result of his encounter with Christ, Saul lost his religion, and he found his faith. Saul lost his religion, and he found his faith. And maybe you're here this morning or watching online, and you come from a background that's all about religion, rules, and regulations that you've tried to keep for years and years and years, and it just makes you worn out because you can't quite live up to the standard. And God keeps bringing people in your life that talk about relationship with Christ. And, and, and the Holy Spirit keeps bumping into you and bringing these people and these conversations in your life. And you can't quite shake it. And it's, it's this feeling that God is calling you and this feeling that, you, that won't quite go away. But here's the thing. Two things that really stand out about this encounter is, number one, the God of the universe desires relationship with you and I. Right? The God who created the universe loves us so much, desires relationship with us, and he wants to be, have us walking with him. The second thing is this, is that um, the, the miraculous nature of this story, you know, we see it and we see the big lights and the conversion and the scales falling off. But here, to me, the biggest thing is that the love, of, it's, not the, it's not the conversion, but it's the love of God towards sinful people like you and I. God loves us and desires relationship for us. And if he loves a guy like Saul, then no one in this room is excluded. 
No one here, no one online. No one is excluded from the love of God that is found in Jesus Christ. You see, after the dust settled and the vision that Saul, the vision that Saul received back was not only that of his eyes, but it was in his heart. And he was, and he was to move from religion and experience relationship with Jesus for the very first time. And then, because he was operating out of a sense of being deeply loved and his identity was in Christ and what was done for him rather than what he was doing, he was able to love and serve people, even lay down his life for the very same people he tried to wipe off the face of the earth. If that's not a radical response to being blindsided by God, I don't know what is. He took a nasty guy who was hunting down Christians and turned him into one of the pillars who started and established the church and is probably the reason why most of us are here this morning. And on so many levels, after Saul encountered Jesus, he was able to say, whoa, now I see. He was able to say, I see now. Isn't it funny that he was walking for so long and headed in this direction and he saw so clearly but he didn't even know he had a problem? He was so set in his ways. How many people do you know like that? Wives, don't, don't elbow your husbands. It was like he was someone, Saul was like someone who had vision and their vision was going bad, right? And they were seeing things and they weren't seeing things clearly and everything was fuzzy and they just thought that that was the way it is. Their vision was going bad, so they just lived with it, and they thought that the blurriness of what they saw around them was the reality of how things really were. And for years and years and years, he just lived in this way of not seeing things quite clearly, but you know when your eyes are going bad, you can see that something's off, and you can sense that something's off. And one day, you go and you get a new pair of glasses, and you put them on for the first time, and you're like, whoa, and now I see clearly. And, it, and you needed that new set of glasses to see how, you're, how you weren't seeing clearly before. And that's exactly what faith in Jesus allows us to do. And maybe you're here today and you're blurred by religion. And you just need a fresh pair of glasses that come through faith in Jesus Christ. Saul lost his religion and he found his faith. There's a second person in the story that gets blindsided as well. Remember Ananias? He usually gets overlooked because of the miraculous nature of what happened with Saul, but something really interesting happens to him because he gets blindsided as well by what Jesus asked him to do. And I think this applies more to us, you know, to anyone here who's walking with God. Remember what it said. It says this, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. Then Jesus answers him and tells him what to do, and Ananias responds. He says, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. I mean, I, I think this is kind of funny, right? When Jesus asks him, tells him what to do, asks him what to do, I mean, look at his response. He says, Lord, I've heard about this guy. He's been laying his hands on Christians, and now you want me to go lay my hands on him? He's heard about what he's done. He knows his reputation. And, and poor Ananias, is just, he's, he's walking with God. He's minding his own, his own business. He's just trying to stay alive because of all the persecution that's going on. And Jesus encounters him and blindsides him and asks him to go directly into the line of fire. Just imagine what he's thinking. But here's why what Ananias did is important and how it affects you and I today. Because this, our small acts of obedience 
often play a large part in someone else's story. Our small acts of obedience to what Jesus is telling us to do, asking us to do, always play a large part in someone else's story. You see, the task that Ananias did didn't seem like anything huge. You know, he just, God asked him to go and do it, and he did it. But the reality is, on the human level, you and I know that when Jesus is asking us to go and encounter and be around someone who's hurting us, it's really hard, right? It's hard to be near people that aren't walking in the same way we are, who may have very different opinions of us. And we all know this person, right? We all know the person in our life that kind of gets us like that. I'm sure you can think of them if you thought about it. The person that God is asking you to engage with. Some of you are like, I'm sitting right next to them. Maybe it's an antagonistic coworker or someone who just disagrees with Christianity or a secular humanist that you may be near or an outspoken family member. Uh, It could be anyone on that scale that God is asking you and kind of nudging you and the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, go engage this person because you just never know, right? Maybe it's um, just someone in your family or someone that you just, a neighbor and you're just not sure, but you know that God is saying, hey, this is the person that you need to engage with. And sometimes it feels like you are getting blindsided by what God is asking you to do by doing this because it's really not in our nature to walk towards people like this, right? We want to run in the opposite direction. But what Jesus asks us to do is also often not very intuitive to what we do or how we think, and we always feel ill-equipped. But here's the idea. But we need to fight through this and respond the way that Ananias did. And the idea is this. So don't get caught up in always the bigger is better mentality when it comes to God and serving him. When he surprises us with who he asks us to reach, simply take the step of faith like Ananias did and allow God to use you however he feels because you never know what part you'll play in their story. Sometimes we play a part in their story and we talk to them about faith or what it looks like to walk with God and we see the big aha moment and the scales fall off, right? And we get to be a part of this. But more often than not, we just play a small part in stories and we have no idea what God is going to do with that So we just leave the results up to him. But we just need to respond like Ananias did and take that step and move out of our comfort zone and engage with this person. We never know how God is going to use it and what part we're going to play in their story because we know that they're involved in the bigger story, and that's the story of God. So what do we do? What do we do with this? Maybe you are here or watching and you identify with Saul, right? If you're here and you're going through something that has you feeling a little blindsided, whether it's your job, in your relationship, or in your beliefs, consider like Saul. Consider this, that maybe what you're going through is not simply by chance or a random set of circumstances, but rather it's a loving God trying to get your attention and give you sight for maybe the first time. Because the reality is, like Saul, like we could, we, when God's trying to do something in our lives, oftentimes we can explain it away, Right? Like Saul could have said, oh, it was lightning. You know, it was lightning and the stuff in my eyes, that was all just dust, right? We try to explain away what might be happening. Oh, it was random coincidence. But maybe it's God actually trying to get our attention. And we do that too. We do it all the time. So maybe it's for, maybe if you're a guy here and you're, 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 you struggle with being discontent, right? And it's always the job or I need to get to the next position or the next job. And, and when the promotion comes, you always get blindsided and it goes to someone else. Maybe that's what it is. And maybe through this, God is looking at your life and saying, hey, hold on a second. These aren't random acts, but maybe you need to find your ultimate source of contentment in your relationship with me and not what you do or your position at work. 
And maybe if you're a, la- a, a woman here and, and you have relationships and they always seem to go so far, but then they kind of fizzle out, right? And you're just like getting blindsided by this all the time and say, why is this not just happening for me? Maybe it's God getting your attention and saying, look, you need to find your identity and your security in me first. And then when that happens, we're gonna see what happens with the next person that I bring into your life. But it's never a random coincidence. It's always God moving. And when you think about your situation like that, it begins to change your perspective and allows Jesus a little bit more wiggle room in your life. And that's where he likes to work. And you may find that he's giving you sight for the first time. Maybe you're here this morning and you identify more with Ananias. You're walking with God and have been for a while. The challenge this morning is to pay attention, like Ananias did, to how the Holy Spirit may be nudging you to play a part in someone else's story. You never know what role you're going to play in someone else's story, so I encourage you to take the risk. You know who these people are. Please don't go laying hands on random strangers. Like, you didn't hear that? Don't do that. But God has brought certain people into your life that only you can reach, right? At this point in time, only you can reach them. And preaching from the platform and Dave, like all the, all the people here, like we, we can't get to them. But you have an opportunity because of exactly where God has placed you. So take the risk, share with them, get, get to know them and engage with them because you never know what role you may have in the story of God in their lives. Take the risk like Ananias did. Don't be surprised and don't limit who you think can be saved because you never know how God is going to use you in someone else's story of faith. The reality of this passage is this. Two people got blindsided by encounters with Jesus. The first person, Saul, moved from religion to faith. And maybe that's where you need to be processing this morning. The second person, Ananias, discovered that God's love excludes no one. No one's too far gone. Two people got blindsided. I hope that this morning, that when we get blindsided, we begin to think and maybe just slow down and pause for a second, like Saul had to do, and regroup and think maybe it's actually God trying to get our attention, possibly for the first time, and possibly he's trying to move us deeper in our relationship with him. If something that we said this morning or something that you heard this morning kind of hits you and maybe you're identifying with Saul and saying, look, I've been seeing blurry for a long time, We'd love to help you. We're going to be down front right after the service and love to talk through that process with you and just kind of help you take those next steps as you kind of hear that it's not about religion, but it's about relationship. We'd love to help you with that. If you're here this morning and there's someone in your life that you know you need to engage and kind of keep walking towards, but it's really hard and it takes courage, we want to help you with that as well and just be encouraging to you and pray alongside you as you do this because you never know how God may use you in someone else's story. Would you stand with me as we close? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us a vision as a church and individually to do greater things through your Spirit. Help us to, if we're here and we don't really know what's, what it is to walk with you, give us clear sight on what that means. Help us to understand that it is about relationship with you that brings us forward and allows us to take steps and walk with you and that, to find our identity with you. God, if we're here and we're not sure, we have some people around us that it's really hard to engage, I pray that through, this, through Ananias' example that you will help us to take those steps and play a small part in the story of their coming to faith in you, God. 
God, we all get blindsided. Help us to respond well to what you're doing in our lives and help us to be a light to the people around us. It's in your, in your